0: In this episode, we are fortunate enough to get some insight into the motivation that drives two of the sport's most impressive young players. Hugo and Marjolaine tell us about their transition from the youth to the adult game and what it takes to turn talent into being serious contenders at major tournaments.
1: Marjolaine was a member of the golden era of the Highgate female players and has continued to build upon that to become the first ever player to win the quad the under-21s, the under-25s, the universities and the mixed universities. Hugo has improved massively over the past couple of years, also winning the previous those tournaments, uh, alongside also winning the Midlands and most recently reaching the semi-final of the Northern Tournament. They both now play and study at Oxford University. So welcome to the show. How are you doing today, Hugo?
2: Yeah, great, thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah, it's good to sort of see everyone virtually at least. Bearing to get back on court now
3: that we can. Yeah, definitely. Um, just sort of waiting for a for a free weekend to pop up to Eton and, and have a game. But yeah, can't wait.
0: Yeah. Anyone have any concrete plans or dates when you actually can get a game in? Do you, do you know when's the next opportunity?
3: Yeah, Gareth sent me the dates. Um, so I'm sort of trying to plan around them. Um, bit awkward timing with sort of, thesis and finals and stuff but definitely gonna get a chance as soon as i can
2: yeah well i've I've managed to actually get get on court like within 24 hours of it becoming legal (laughs) thanks of course you did (laughs) thanks to ricky organizing stuff in london but yeah it's very impressive like how how much of a season it looks like we're going to be able to get you know fitting in in the end here
1: although we're going to be playing in hot summer which is terrible (laughs) i'm not looking forward to that so obviously both of you started playing fives at school. Hugo, you were at Westminster and Marge you were at, at Highgate. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> I'm Joly and myself. But what actually got you into the sport? Was it just that it was on offer and then you chose to do it, or was there something specific that attracted you?:
3: Yeah, well, I think I had probably quite a sort of traditional introduction to the sport. I mean, at Highgate, while I was there, the fives courts lined one side of the playground. So, you know, most kids in break time, you're sort of running around, playing around, throwing or kicking balls. And for us, we were sort of throwing them around a fives court. Um, so you just, you just get familiar from a young age with the space, the angles, the ledges. Uh, and then at some point that sort of goes from being casual playtime to actually, you know, playing games and, and sports and going away for fixtures.
2: Yeah, I guess it was it was pretty similar for me, um, because at Westminster as well, we had courts right within the sort of school campus. And I actually I I decided to do it as a sport, basically because I was incredibly unsporty. And so it it was sort of it was the easiest one to get to. Um, You didn't have to go anywhere. And then it it had good like timings. So at first I was just starting thinking, oh, yeah, this is like a, a fun thing to do with my friends. But yeah, and look
1: at you now. <laughs> One of the key. I no idea
0: what was coming. Yeah. I um, I always think it's it's so interesting when you hear people say, oh, I wasn't particularly sporty. And then you think, I, I always wonder, you know, who are you comparing yourself to? And it's always like, uh, you know, someone playing rugby or swimming or rowing or something like that. And you think, oh, I'm not, I'm not into sport. And then you know, compared to something mainstream. And then obviously you find your, your sport and it's like, oh, wait a second, you have this, this eureka moment to go, oh, actually, no, I, I am good at sport. Um, so it's just funny to hear that.
1: Well, on the other hand, Marge, you're quite sporty. You dabble in quite a few sports. I remember at Highgate, you were a cross country runner. I think I remember even when I was at Highgate and you were, you know, I remember you as a young five player, but also as a young cross country runner. Do I have that right?
3: Yeah yeah I did um, sort of county level running and squash when I was at school Um, and I was I was sort of always one of the sporty kids Um, so I think that was that was a challenge playing fives at Highgate um, in that you're sort of being pulled from all the sports in terms of no do this sport or do that sport Um, and sort of you know getting pressured at times to do the sort of more traditional netball or hockey but I think fives you know i sort of stuck with fives because we'd play that during lunchtime um and after school so there was sort of still always plenty of opportunities to play fives outside of the um sort of two hour a week game session
0: yeah i mean hugo you also mentioned there that the times worked quite well for you and then Marjolaine you've just said you know that you're being pulled in different directions with other mainstream sports and um, so from that it sounds like timing is, is is quite a big a big deal do you still find that um, do you still find that now that, that fives um, can take up quite a bit of time uh, or how much time do you, do you feel you, you need to commit to it to, to play at the level you two are playing at? I think to play competitive fives has been quite hard while at uni
2: because it ends up taking up like most, most weekends. There's a competition or a, or a match somewhere and then if you have to travel by train to get somewhere it's basically an entire day gone. But then it's a lot easier for me when I'm at home in London because there's sort of practice sessions that are a couple hours in the evening. And it seems like most of the people coming, you know, have jobs and are sort of getting, making it work quite well. But yeah, it's definitely, yeah, varies depending on sort of where where your courts are, I guess.
3: Yeah, I think thinking about timings in particular, it probably matters more when you're trying to get people involved in the sport to start with. Um, you know especially in the women's game at Oxford the vast majority of our players start when they turn up at Oxford Um, and so you know if they haven't already fallen in love with the sport it's harder to get them to commit you know their weekends to to play Um, whereas you know for people like me and Hugo I guess we've sort of you know already reached that level where we know we want to carry on playing fives so it's it's you know it's not really a commitment it's just something you want to do because you
1: really enjoy it. So yeah, you're obviously both at Oxford together, Oxford University, which is nice. And you've played together in the, the mixed universities tournaments and were successful and, and won that. Is there any uh, thought of continuing that partnership and maybe even branching out to the mixed champions itself? I'm just you know getting a bit of gossip here to see what. Are.
2: what I never talked about this. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I've never, I don't think I've ever played in the sort of main mixed competition, um, but it's definitely something, you know, I want to do. I don't know if it's it's happening this year or not, but, you know, next year when stuff gets to normal, so we'll have to, we'll have to see.
1: But yeah, definitely on the cards. Currently penciled in for July. Yeah. So <laughs> who knows? You'd be, you'd be a good partnership. And I must say the mixed tournament is one of my favourite, like, it's a lot of laughing, I find. <laughs>
2: But there's always way more guys trying to play, right? So I feel like Margie probably have have your pick.
3: Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, if you get in there early and ask, you know, no one's asked me yet for this year. So we'll have to sort of see if that works.
0: Hugo, now's your chance. Ask. <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: don't, I, I don't want to be on record and then find out that I'm like busy that weekend or something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: But I'd lo- definitely love to play more with Mudge because we haven't really managed to get much, much mixed practice at Oxford actually going. But hopefully, yeah, soon we'll, we'll sort that out.
3: Yeah, I think that is a bit of an issue at Oxford, just only having two courts. We sort of end up having to split up training sessions. And the obvious way to do it is sort of separating the men's and women's sessions, um, which, you know, is fine. But you know, I'd quite like to play more mixed games and I think it would help the club and, and the sort of social aspect of it a bit more.
0: I'm sure that feedback will go a long way. And comments like that are so important as we are trying to grow the mixed game and just showing the importance of that, not only socially, but on a competitive level, and the benefits that men get from playing with women and women get from playing with, with men. I think it's so important that we highlight that and what an impact that has on the development of players from you know, the youth game through into the adult game so yeah thank you for that feedback before we move too much away from you know um you know what attracted you guys to playing the sport and and um you know what you enjoy about it i I want to ask a couple of questions about like current motivation to play uh so there's just a couple of kind of statements and i just want to see how much you agree with each one so um so the, the the question is why do i play fives and the answer, and you just got to tell me whether or not you agree with uh, the answer or not, or not that I'm saying. So um, just to make it easier, I'll just start with Hugo and Marjolaine, you go second. And we'll just go through four, four different statements. And then you can just give me a, uh, a yes, a no, not at all, definitely, you know, just short and sweet. Okay, so uh, question is, why do I play fives? Um, answer, I play fives because I love developing my own skills as an athlete yeah very much so for me
3: yeah it's definitely um a big thing for me as well
0: so next one um i play fives because i love socializing with my fives playing friends yeah
2: for me for me that was sort of that was what kept me going at the start before i i got into it competitively um so it's less of a huge factor now but it's definitely a really nice aspect of the sport
3: i think for me that's um a very big one um and i think that's one of the main reasons that I got into it at school, um, just because there are, you know, they were my friends playing, and we enjoyed it so much. Um, so I think that was definitely a, a very big aspect, particularly at the in, you know, in the school years.
0: Yeah, brilliant. I, I like that. It's something that started off as a, a, a strong factor there. Okay, so next one is, I choose to play fives because I want to be the best at it.
2: Yeah, that's probably that's probably number one for me. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of naturally competitive and it's one of the reasons I love sports in general. Um, and it's quite nice that if you pick a niche enough sport, you can be the best at it. And so it's sort of it's it's yeah, it's it's nice to achieve those things and, and win stuff.
0: Yeah, it's um, I always find with niche sports, though, you get this concentration of competitive people. And, uh, you know, so it doesn't it's not always an advantage, but, um, you know, it, it is it's definitely part of it. Okay, so I, I still choose to play fives because it has become part of who I am.
2: Yeah, I think that's definitely a factor for me. Um, although I don't really think of it in those terms, but probably, yeah.
3: I think fives has become um, a part of who I am. I don't think I carry on playing it just because I feel like I wouldn't be able to stop. Um, you know, I, I play it for for all the other reasons.
0: Yeah, I'm, I really i really enjoy all your answers to those those motivation statements so you know this um this is actually something i do with um my sports psychology clients and trying to help identify what their motivation is uh whether it's uh, external to themselves whether it's um you know for for the fame for the glory uh <laughs> or if it's for um you know for the social side or you know it's and it's always interesting to see because you can almost pick out who's going to continue to play and who's going to continue to do well um, and who's just in it for a flash and a pan and, and then they disappear and you know it's it's clear that with all the fame and glory in fives um, you two will be around for a while <laughs> but no um i you know your answers resonate well with me loving sport myself and so it's just I just love hearing that you know love hearing those genuine answers you know you can tell someone who's at the top of their game that genuinely just loves their community and and just enjoys every bit of it my my next question might be the hardest one is um when did you start um loving fives like you do
2: i get for me i think i always i always loved it in the sense of like oh it was a fun way to spend an afternoon with friends at school but i started i sort of realized in my last year of school at about 17 that um it's actually really really enjoyable to uh, take it seriously and play matches and um and meet people through it and everything so yeah that's that's sort of when I I think I probably fell in love with it
3: I think it's probably a, a similar answer for me in that when I was at school and playing with my friends you know I loved it in terms of the social aspect and playing it and going to fixtures and it was just a fun way to spend your afternoons and your weekends Um, and then I think I sort of enjoyed it more and more you know as a sport you know beyond you know my friends when probably yeah at the end of school at the start of university um, when I sort of also started to to get better at it and try new things and play new people or you know especially mixed matches and see that sort of self-improvement and sort of have a better understanding of the game um, in general and I think that's when it I sort of got really hooked.
1: Sort of chicken and egg story here do you think it your improvement led to you enjoying it more or vice versa that things or it just kind of naturally happened sort of at the same time and there's a sort of blurry gray zone in the middle?
3: Yeah probably blurry gray zone in the middle Um, I mean I I sort of I sort of always enjoyed fives you know it's very different to a lot of the other sports I'd played before, and you know, even still play. Um, so in that sense, I, I sort of already really loved it. Um, but that was just an extra sort of level of appreciation, I think.
2: I think I think fives is, is quite a nice sport because you can improve really, really quickly, like quite quite fast. Um, because there's so many shots to practice, and it's so intuitive at first that like you can go from, or you know, I, I've seen people go from barely being able to hit a cut to being able to play whole rallies and really enjoy it. And then, you know, start winning and thinking about shot choice and stuff. So yeah, you, you you sort of start improving before you even have time to choose to.
1: I remember Hugo, there was one year where you just went from, I mean, you were already a good player. Both of you were already, you know, started at a good level from the moment that I knew you on the five score. And then, there was just this kind of exponential improvement in, in both of your games that I saw happening over the course of, you know, a few years. And I think it did, to me at least, it seemed to be just as you were leaving school, starting to come into the adult game, that that development seemed to happen. Was there anything sort of specific that you did?
2: I think basically what happened is I just and got tons of court time um, and I ended up after school, I worked um, coaching Fives for a bit. Howard and so I was just on court uh, a hell of a lot every week and then the sort of thinking about it and 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 trying to you know use that time deliberately came after a year of that so it is I I don't know I think court time is, is really sort of the main thing
3: yeah I think court time is a big thing I'm not sure I can really pinpoint sort of when or why my game improved maybe I think maybe it did have something to do with just playing a greater variety of people you know I sort of learned the sport with the same sort of 10 girls um, who were all very good and you know a lot of them better than me I was sort of second or third pair all through school and then maybe sort of going to university or starting to come to this sort of um, OC training uh, evening sessions and that sort of thing maybe that just yeah I guess playing a greater variety of people you just become aware of different shots and, you know, what might work well against some people doesn't work well against others and vice versa. And may- maybe that was it for me.
0: Yeah. Um, just interesting that, you know, mentioning that there's such a variety of shots and there's quite a lot to learn. Um, you know, Hugo, I think you mentioned there that it starts off being quite, quite intuitive. And um, it's interesting in how skills are developed. And if, you know, if we look at the science behind skill development, um, and how, you know, you explicitly learn something either through doing drills and really breaking down movements, or whether you learn through, through playing and through kind of grouping everything together. And, um, you know, that skill development, it can happen in both contexts, um, just as effectively. And I was just wondering, obviously, um, Hugo, you've coached, did you find that having to break down the skills to other people is something that benefited you? Um you know, potentially in your
2: game. Yeah. So what, what I found really useful, um, which definitely came from thinking about the sport in a coaching environment was splitting up each shot so that you know what you're aiming to do. And that's something that Howard Howard Wiseman really um, focused on and taught me almost, because even if you're not drilling a shot over and over again, you um, just in a rally if you're if you're thinking about oh yeah you know this is the time to play that or this is the time to play this other one is is really really useful and that doesn't come intuitively for school players I think they, they tend to just hit it as hard as as hard as they can wherever they want. Um, and so I thought I had learned that lesson, but coaching actually really made me actually know all of the different shots that I, I could work with, I think.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting, like a contextual grouping. So, you know, in this context, in a rally, then this is the shot that I would play rather than just consistently drilling over and over again the the same shot, although I'm not bagging on that style of of play. Um, uh, Magdalene, have you you coached um, much? I think I saw in an email between us a while back that you were coaching, I don't know if it was informally or not, uh, at, at Oxford?
3: Yeah I, well you know as, as I said at Oxford a lot of the women's team are sort of new to the sport when they turn up so the onus is largely on the school players to sort of teach them the game um, and I think that's probably a slightly different style of coaching in that a lot of the time you're just teaching them to sort of hit the ball um, and the rules of the game so it's sort of really the basics um, and I think if, if anything that sort of made me realise how much of that stuff I'd never really formally learnt because I just, you know, I just sort of grew up getting to know the court and where the ball goes. And so actually having to explain that to someone um, was pretty difficult to start with. So, you know, in that that respect, I have had a a chance to sort of do a little bit of of coaching or teaching, um, but definitely in a sort of informal setting
2: yeah you never you never realize how many rules there are until you have to teach someone like what a blackguard is or how step works or anything and it starts seeming so much more confusing even though it was all intuitive before
1: yeah it sort of becomes second nature like i can completely get where you come from marshlands that we you know when we played it was just you just played and you played for fun and you learned the rules and everything was just how it was and so when you're asked to explain it you're like well it's it's just how it is. <laughs> there's no way that you hit the ball, you just do it. <laughs> yeah exactly. Definitely been there where they're like, so how did you do this? And I'm like, I don't know. I just do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I always say to people, if, if you don't know how you do it but you get at it, let's, let's stop talking about it now completely. You know you don't need to explicitly understand why you can do what you do. Just you know you only need to think about that if, if there's something you can't do. So, you know, in, intuitively, some people can become absolutely amazing. I, I think, you know, when we were chatting with John Reynolds, he was saying how court time and just playing as much as possible was the sole reason why he, he got to, to where he was. It's just because he wanted to play as, as much as possible.
1: So speaking of Kinead champions, you've obviously, well, you haven't. neither of you have, have won the sort of the major... Open and top ladies tournaments yet I'm going to put big yet on there because I'm sure both of your times will come um but is that an aim and a goal that you have because I think you've between you both you've won everything else, I think <laughs> I think you've got at least one of your names, if not both of your names have hit the under twenty ones twenty fives both universities but are are those kind of major championships big goals for you guys?
3: Yeah, I think definitely, but that I think at the moment for me that's probably. A bit of a more of a long-term you know ultimate goal rather than short term I think there are sort of very definitely sort of clear steps on my way to becoming one of those sort of players that can sort of seriously compete for the titles and I think part of that for me is going to be well you know I'm, I'm graduating in the summer so you know hopefully once I've sort of moved and, and got a job I'll have more time to um, get involved in more mixed uh, matches and I think you know, every time I play mixed matches, it sort of reminds me how much more there is for me to learn because a lot of the shots I play work very well against the majority of women. Um, and then you play them in a, in a men's setting and they just, you know, it's suddenly not the good shot that you thought it was, or maybe a little bit sort of lazy or, or not quite good enough. Um, and that's the sort of game that I have to develop to really compete against you know, the, the top handful of women, um, you know, like you. So I think that's sort of the the next step for me, really.
2: In, in the men's game as well, there's definitely, it feels like there's a big step up to the absolute top level of players where, you know, Tom and Seb at least just seem completely unbeatable, or at least they did until they were beaten a year ago. They have this aura. And so I think for, for me, like, it's definitely a goal, um, but I think right now I'm trying to sort of focus more on just improving my game where I can, breaking it down into chunks um, and specific shots and stuff, rather than thinking about... Because, it's, it you know, it starts seeming impossible if you start thinking about how much of a gap there is to get there.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. So what is your mindset when you're going into those matches with those more experienced players in those big open... Tournaments. so for example in the northerns when you and noah successfully got to the semi-finals of the northerns one of the major championships what was your mindset going into the match to make sure that you didn't as you say get let that whole aura of these great players get on top of you before you even started
2: well yeah with that i think that the the main thing we had to do was just convince ourselves that we actually like can win these games, which I remember at the Northerns, it was sort of the Saturday night. We knew, oh, okay, this is our quarterfinal coming up tomorrow. And it's very, it's exciting. It's super stressful. And there's always, thoughts racing through your head. And we just needed to, it was, it was helpful as a partnership as well, but we could sort of assure ourselves that, hey, if you lose, it's fine, but, um, but you can win. And we, we just need to keep in mind what our game looks like when when it's working what a reasonable level to expect from us is and then maybe they play super well and and be us maybe they don't but yeah i guess trying to trying to pass that first hurdle of believing that it's possible and then once that's set, just trying to focus on your game rather than you know thinking about about the opponents too much
3: yeah, I think it's it's pretty similar. I've played in the ladies the last two years and you've just got to take each round or each match, you know, one step at a time. Um, so I think for me, it's always been, you know, getting to the semis, which, you know, you sort of need to stay calm and just sort of play the matches and trust that you can get there because, you know, you think you're good enough. Um, and then once, once you're sort of in the semis and, and playing against people that have, you know, won the ladies many times before... I think there is something to be said about that sort of underdog mindset and that no one expects you to win. So in a sense, the onus is on them to, to beat you. Um, And I think it's why I find it maybe not relaxing, but you know, every point you win is, is sort of a victory. And, you know, if you win, if you get a sort of a streak and a few points in the row, it, it might sort of fluster them and you might get an opportunity and you've just got to sort of stay in the game and, if an opportunity comes up, then, you know, try and make the most of it.
1: Yeah, just on the flip side of that, I, I mean, we've never, maybe maybe in some quarterfinals when you were younger, Marge, ever really met in the ladies. We've always been on sort of slightly separate sides of the draw. But I know if I ever walked on court with against you that I would never, like, take that for granted at, at any point because I know how good you can be. And you on, you know, you're having the perfect day can definitely – have every shot at beating me and you're a great player and I know that you're up and coming and improving. So it's, you know, on the other side, (laughs) on the flip side of where you're coming from. Yeah, I can see what you mean about it It is on the, you know, maybe higher ranked people on paper to to win, but uh, I never would take any of that for granted when I was, if I'm coming on court against you. Yeah.
3: And it's, it's the same for me when I'm playing in, you know, other matches where I'm the favourite, like the universities, you know, you sort of know that, you know, you might be expected to, to win, but you sort of, you obviously never take it for granted and you've still got to sort of, you know, win every match to get there. Um, So it's, you know, I I sort of experienced it from both sides.
1: Was it you that was playing with Caro in that, in that one quarterfinal against me, Marge?
3: When would that have been? I mean, I've played plenty of, plenty of matches with Caro.
1: So it was in the ladies, it must have been before it was before I hit we hit finals. Maybe five years ago now. <laughs> you were the underdogs. We were the ones penciled in to win. And we won the, the first set pretty easy. And then the second set, Caro came back with like fire in her eyes. Like she wanted to eat someone. And you guys came back and just obliterated us in the second set. <laughs> third set I think was super close and got to like 13 or (laughs) that was one of those moments where I've never had to quite keep my nerve as much as that where I was like I hadn't quite mentally got to the point where I was mature enough to be like I was definitely going oh my god these people that shouldn't be beating us and beating us and that was getting into my own head and you guys were definitely fueled from this kind of we're the underdogs we're coming at you and it just led to this like insane, insane match, which we, I think we won by one point.
3: <laughs> I think that's, those are the matches that sort of stick with you, the ones that are really close. Um, and the sort of five setters that, you know, everyone else has finished their fives matches and everyone is watching at the back of the court. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess they're better memories when you win, but um the,
1: the, the ones you've really had to fight for they're, they're always the best matches I've also Marge just found the ladies report and it was you and, and Caro against me and Izzy so we so <laughs> nutted you in the first set you took the second set 12-7 and then stormed into 11-6 lead in the third so <laughs> you definitely came at us <laughs> yeah I think I remember that
3: Caro was sort of very good at you know she sort of had a switch where you know Suddenly she'd be like, "Yeah, I'm not having any more of this. You know, this is ours." And I think, you know, probably losing twelve love probably sort of yeah made yeah, us put yeah, our no. foot down. And
0: yeah, it's it, it's one of these um these old sayings is that it takes talent to win a tournament uh, or to win a title, but it takes character to defend one. So you know, talent tends to get you into the final and the fact that you're an underdog the fact that there's actually well relatively no pressure or that's a good way to see it you know that's that's what can get you to get you to win but the pressure on the person who's defending that title especially against someone younger than them or someone less experienced can be uh, can be huge and I mean most of that pressure is often put on by the person themselves or the people themselves in that in that spot I don't think I can quote it quite exactly but I had a I actually interviewed johnny not long before that um london tournament where they where they won and uh and he was worried about exactly that kind of mindset he was worried about that mindset going in of you know can they be beaten and you know there's that element of of curiosity that you have to maintain going in it's like well i'm here to find out if they can be beaten so you need to be curious, what does my best game against someone who is that good? Like, what can I do? So having that curiosity is, uh, is essential for, for really testing yourself to find out, and you and your partner to find out. Because, uh, of course, you both have to be curious about it. You, you know, no one's carrying a team through that point. But curiosity is a big one um, to, to do that.
1: So who do you both look up to as players and this might not just skill level it might be you know from their work ethic their their heart their mindset on court Hugo maybe you can start do you have anyone that you kind of look up to or you you know try and imitate well, maybe not imitate it's not the right word you are your own player but you know that you you there's elements of their game that you would like to be able to have etc
2: well it, it's funny you say imitate because that is a lot of what I think about with vibes is I, I, I will watch the sort of YouTube videos of like the best players playing and I'll say, Oh, you know, I want that shot and then try to work on getting it, which sometimes is successful. Um, So in terms of, in terms of like shot choice and play style, um, I've really, I I really, really like watching Seb just because he's, he's got some really interesting shots and, and that's, that's really inspired me in terms of, um, how innovative the game can be and how, how fun it can be, even at a really high level. In terms of like work ethic and improving, I guess people like Ricky, who's, who's from my club. And so he's also sort of helped me improve a lot. And he's really good at, at drills and um, deliberate practice. And he sort of taught me that. But then there's there's other sort of high level, like high level players who have improved a lot. Um, like playing with, with you and Ashley, at Highgate has always been cool, and Johnny, to just sort of see what what the what the highest level of play is, and like um, and how seriously people take it.
3: Yeah, it's a it's a tricky one. Um, I think there are sort of lots of things to be learnt um from different people, like Hugo said. Whether you're thinking about sort of a specific shot that one person has, um that works really well you know against you maybe um but then also you know other people that contribute to the game in, in other ways you know um at oxford for the for the women's team you know gareth is sort of a major part of you know the ladies the ladies team because he comes in every week and, and coaches us and then everything he does for the um organization of the game and and running and encouraging new players and that sort of thing um, so there are sort of plenty of people that that contribute in you know hugely positive ways to the sport
0: yeah um i'm just wondering you know obviously you've got there these role models on both sides in terms of you know uh, that you play with now but when you're at school did you have role models in the adult game were you exposed to some of the senior game before you left school
2: i i never really thought of fives as a game which had like a competitive adult level um or which anyone took seriously for the first couple years of playing and then Matt Wiseman who was coaching us it sort of sunk in oh this guy is incredibly good um and he practices and he's he's built this cutting machine that he'll you know spend hours practicing his return against um, which is really really cool and so it's sort of it's sort of sunk in a little bit through him what the sort of possibilities are um, in terms of like taking it seriously yourself Um, But then it was only it was only for me, like getting properly into adult competitive vibes and seeing, oh, yeah, there's a whole community of people who actually take it seriously, which was really, really cool and really actually inspiring.
3: I think it was pretty similar for me. I didn't really, you know, I think I think the sort of schools game was quite separate from the adult game. So actually the vast majority of people I were playing with and, and you were, you know, from school and it was probably only you know, in the sixth form years and at the start of university where I started playing um, adult, you know, in in the adult game um, and you start to sort of see these people play that or play against them that are sort of at the top of the game and, and so it probably wasn't until later on in my fives career that I I was sort of exposed to that.
0: Very, very interesting that both of you, you know, really only saw the transition of fives into the adult transition into the adult game after after you'd left and and probably made the decision yourselves to to keep playing. Obviously, coaches and you know who you're exposed to in that way is um, is that first link. So having a a coach who currently plays is um, is a big help. But by that point, I mean, would you say that most of your fives playing peers had had stopped playing by the time you finished school?
3: Yeah, for me, it was a very sort of sharp transition between school and university in terms of you know we had this sort of group of, of girls you know maybe about a dozen or so mostly in my year group a couple, in, a couple in the year above or below that you know all played fives and to a very high standard um, and I think it was that group it was a very sharp transition between school and university and you know I think uh, you know for me I was just lucky to go to Oxford in that there was that you know fives community um, among university students and I think really it was sort of quite black and white between those of my friends that did go to fives playing universities and those that didn't just because it it becomes so hard to carry on playing um, and sort of start playing more competitively in the adult game if you don't have that immediate sort of community or or sport at, at university um, so I think that was the, the major change um, in, in my group of, of Highgate players.
2: Yeah, it was, it was pretty similar for me. Um, but it's actually quite sad to sort of think back now because I, I, I wasn't, like you said, Madge, I, I, I wasn't the best player or I was sort of second pair in school. And so there were a couple of guys above me who took fives more seriously um, and, you know, m- made it fun and, and were competing and helping me improve. And then they just sort of happened to go off to unis, which are nowhere near a five score. Um, and so even though they'll sometimes get on court now when they're back in London, you know, that, that the sort of the drive to compete just isn't possible. Yeah, it's it's always just sort of a fun, like coming back to to-
1: I mean, obviously there's one huge thing about where courts are and getting more courts, but what do you think that clubs and, you know, teams can do to help that transition from school level to uh, to adult fives. So, for example, I know there are a lot of clubs now that are doing, um, you know, trying to get school players involved when they're in sort of upper sixth, in order to introduce them to adult fives a little bit earlier. But what else do you think that could be done to help that?
3: I think it is tricky to try and unravel why. People end up, you know, really good fives players end up sort of leaving it when they go to university and never coming back to it. And I think it is sort of inevitable that people take a break from fives if they go to a university that's miles and miles from a fives court, or at least take a break from sort of competitive play. Um, But I think it's about keeping those links or establishing them, like you said, during the sixth form, so that maybe, you know, if they move home after university or move to London or somewhere else that is fives playing that after university they can pick it up and they still have those links with the community and are aware of the opportunities to play fives that exist for them to sort of come back and start playing again. Um, And I think even if you go to a university where it is possible to carry on playing fives, there are so many sort of other exciting things you can do at uni that, they all sort of compete for your time and attention. So I think it is probably about keeping those links through university so that after when sort of life settles down a bit, there is that sort of opportunity to come back to the sport.
2: Yeah, I think I think one really important thing, which it's really nice to see that Fives is moving this way even more, I think, is to is to make them more publicly accessible courts. Um, and you know have more opportunities for people to play casually and and not feel like oh my options are to come back and play a league match for my you know old school team when i haven't played in a year and i'm, I'm rusty and i don't really feel like competing or anything um i feel like it, it, people would be much more interested in coming back hopefully with a couple people they know to just sort of a casual like weeknight game um and it's really nice to see that I, at least in London, um, there's like new courts being built in Orpington, and there's sort of friendly, friendly sessions at the Westway, and and up in Highgate. Hopefully, coming back sometime, which hopefully is the future.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think we've we've definitely had this this mix of when people have come back. Either they've, you know, luckily enough, they've come back, and there's you know sessions going on that they can come and join that are more casual and friendly. But sometimes some people have come back and we've just thrown them straight into like a division one match and been like, go <laughs> and see what happens, uh, which sometimes has backfired, but also has sometimes worked quite well.
0: Just back to kind of that transition between the school game and the adult game, quite often other sports, so talking about um, my own experience and seeing from various sports how people finish high school, even if they're amazing at their sport, And just because they do not know the adult game exists, they assume, well, that was it. I've turned 18. I've won all these tournaments. I've been in my school first team, you know, thinking that is the peak of sport, you know, and, and when there isn't an awareness of the adult game, that actually happens a lot, you'd be amazed how many people, you know, excel at school, how many, how many kids are phenomenal at their sports and simply it just doesn't click over. In your opinions, were you made aware of the extent of the competitive level of the adult game while you were still at school?
3: I think I was aware of it. And I think maybe it helps that I went to a sort of very fives playing school in that I already had those links with the OC team. Um, So I was sort of aware of it in that sense. And especially, you know, carrying on, you know, I've, I've never stopped playing fives. So in that sense, I'm not sure how much of it I was aware of while I was at school and how much of it I've just got used to or learned about um, while playing at university. So I think that is an interesting balance.
2: Yeah, I, I felt quite lucky at school because in the last couple of years, um, the the Westminster kids get to play in the league because Matt's organized this sort of Div 3 team, which is just for them. And that was really useful for us to play against you know, older players and sort of get us the league structure is really useful to get a sense of what the levels of the game are and you can see yourself working up. Oh, I used to be div three, pair two, or whatever. And now I'm, you know, I can play in div two. Um and that was really, really useful having those links. But I think that's pretty unique. So I'm not sure. I guess yeah, getting 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 school kids into div three. I'm not sure how that could that could happen more, but that's
0: one way that that might help. Yeah. Um in terms of my role with the EFA. Uh, that is something that I've been pushing for and hopefully we will see more of. It's just trying to formalize um, you know that in, in each club because we need to really have have connections with uh, you know a couple of schools to a club or you know if we really want to grow that, it, need, it needs to be formalized because otherwise you've got one club doing. It. I mean I, I believe that the OCs do that quite well. Um, but I'm not sure where else in terms of integrating school age players, um, into the adult game before they finish. And that's, so hearing that, you know, Div 3, you know, that sounds, you know, great opportunity and to to push that um, across, across the board really, make that best practice. So I like to hear it.
1: Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, coming from Captain Johnny and Johnny and I for the OCs have definitely tried to make, there's definitely more we can do, but we've tried to make a conscious effort of getting school kids, at least in year 13, involved in as much as we as we can and you know in safeguarding etc try and make sure we've got that all all fixed but you know we did something and it's very little and I'd be interested to maybe hear what you, your thoughts were when we gave this to you Marge but when when they Marge's year left school we gave them all an old Chom's t-shirt and the kind of idea was that even if they didn't go to a fives playing university that you know they'll come back home and they'll find this t-shirt and they'll see it and be like, oh yeah, there's this, there's this thing called fives. Maybe I'll come, come back to it. But, um, you know, I think there can be very little things like that because we did want to try and keep as many of those players coming out of school in the sport. But I don't know, what was your thought when we did that, much? Did you think, who are these weirdos? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was really nice. And I, you sort of invited us to the sort of end of year
3: dinner, even though we sort of weren't involved yet. Um, but it was, it was really nice. And it was sort of the first chance I had to really meet and get to know the rest of the sort of oc team and i think you know obviously i was still playing fives at university but whenever we were back for the holidays you know over christmas or easter um you know those of us that were around would go to the sort of thursday evening sessions. so i think it, it definitely it definitely helped
1: yeah that's good <laughs> but it is really interesting because i nearly fell off the cliff um because i i stopped playing for nine months thinking that was it there's no there's school stuff And it was only a series of actually rather unfortunate events. Well, one unfortunate event, which led me back to playing fives. One of my five playing friends passed away. And then it was actually at her funeral, we went and did this kind of Memorial fives match for her. And that's what got me back into playing. And then when that happened, Gareth like hoiked me and was like, so I had like a temporary home in North Oxford for my gap year. And without that, I don't think I would be still playing now. I think that probably is a case, you know, the case for a lot of
3: school leaving players. And if we can sort of get them involved in the adult game at sixth form, then they'll sort of know it's there and know that they can come back to it if they ever live, you know, somewhere near a fives court. Um, So I think that probably is, you know, without a doubt
1: the way forward. Mm. And the other thing I'd be interested to hear about is obviously a lot of players are coming in at sort of university level. So Marju saying you're training people up, and Hugo, I'm sure you've done the same. What are the things that attract, or how do you get find all these people to come and play, and what kind of instantly attracts them to to Fives?
3: Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I think to start with, it's probably just random in that they sort of caught your eye at the Freshers Fair and ended up coming over and, and sort of giving you their email address. Um, a lot of the time, it is also just through Fives players. Um, you know, and I, I suppose there are more fives players in the in the men's side that end up at, at sort of university. Um, so I think it is just people that have friends that play fives that end up getting dragged along to a, a taster session and they just enjoy it. And whether it's the sport or the social side of it or something a little bit new. Um, and then, you know, Gareth sort of helps train them up and um, maybe they come to Eton a couple of times and I think it's also a pretty accessible sport because a lot of people are new to it that, you know, by the end of their first year, they can play in the varsity match, maybe not in the blues team, but, you know, play at a competitive level in the sport. And I think that probably appeals to a, to a lot of the people.
2: Yeah, I, I think at Oxford, at least the men's team has a lot to learn from the, the ladies team, because we tend to rest on our laurels a bit that we can get you know, 12 people for two, two varsity match teams just out of people who are already interested in fives and will sort of reach out and want to keep playing. But yeah, I, I, I tried, I tried uh, while we could last term to sort of get a few freshers from my college or friends down to play. And it is, it's, it's remarkable how like fun people find it, even though it doesn't make any sense to them. Um, And, you know, they'll, they'll, The eyes will glaze over while you're sort of explaining all the rules, but then as soon as they're actually playing, like it is fun, but I haven't worked out yet how to sort of, how to get people to keep coming back.
3: I think that is something as well, but because the game is quite complicated, you know, both the rules and just the nature of the court and, you know, for a newbie sort of the ball seems to go in totally random sort of directions. Um, And so I think it's quite bewildering to start with, but if you can get them to stick with it for a term or two, you know, you see it sort of suddenly click where they start sort of preempting where the ball's going to go, and I think they find that really satisfying
1: um, mm. and get sort of hooked on that, and I think that really helps. Yeah, I think I think maybe there's a bit of promotion that we can do about starting at university. You know, one one half of the top ladies pairs in the country, Karen Heard, started playing fives at university, and yes, she had quite a sporting background. She was involved in real tennis, etc. So a lot of racket sports but she just sort of once she fell in love with the sport she just has improved massively and is sort of one of those females trailblazing in the sort of open game and uh yeah so it does so you can start this game at whatever level like university for example and still do extremely well
0: yeah definitely I think it's such a good point um you know when we talking about again the fact that it's quite a niche sport that does mean that a lot of people that haven't started yet or that didn't go to fives playing schools will quickly find themselves at a competitive level where they can join division three or you know a, a social um the social side of the game and and play you know social slash competitive fives i think you know one of the barriers in joining a mainstream sport late is that you know you you try kicking a football for the first time at you know 19 20 years old and you're going to feel out of your depth to the point that there's no way you're going to go back um because you know that everyone around you has probably been doing it since they could walk so i think that's quite an interesting opportunity for fives is picking up on those that haven't you know that would normally have that barrier of starting starting a new sport
3: and i think Picking up on that as well um, it's sort of really interesting that at the top level of fives there's a much broader range of like physicalities and ages as well you know a lot of uh, sports or you know maybe sort of professional sports at the top level it's a very specific you know physical attributes or you know height or whatever and also age whereas actually fives you know it is it is more broad and you get people picking it up at sort of any age and, and running with it and you know having a lot of fun and even you know playing sort of at the top level with it
1: so are you guys playing varsity this year do you know
2: it looks like it
1: a... Oxford or Cambridge Ah, uh, is that even a question <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah it's going to be a an interesting competition this year I guess you know especially for the second team if they've not you know some of well I mean I guess again it's sort of specific to the women's team but you know normally the second team is sort of full of lots of newbies but they've had sort of very very little court time and I'm not even sure if the Oxford courts are going to open in time for us to sort of give them much practice especially in exam season so I think it will be yeah really interesting Um, but it's also sort of the sort of social highlight of the the fives calendar at university as well Um, so hopefully it'll still be a sort of really fun day out
2: yeah for the men's side we have sort of we've got a whole bunch of players leaving this year and I'm going on a year abroad next year. So I, w- w- we're hoping that we can sort of go out with a bang with a with an, a nice varsity match. But then I have no idea what's going to happen in a year's time. We'll have to work harder on recruiting new players, I think. Because Cambridge are actually doing better better at that than us, sort of due to needing to.
1: Yeah. It's interesting how at the Oxford-Cambridge varsity level, there's always like a swing for a few years and then it swings the other way and then it swings, swings this year. Well, that was really great i hope you've had fun but thank you so much for joining us on the on the show
0: yeah thank you thanks Thanks a lot Um, yeah i've learned a lot um from your very unique perspectives and looking at you know the university side as well as like entry into the adult game so you know yeah thanks for joining us
3: thanks for inviting us on here and sort of look forward to seeing you sort of back in person on the fives court